Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Pablo Torre, and I am honored to host one of my sports writing idols for a second time this week. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Let's just get to the weekend, kid, all right? Let's just get to the have you ever read anything I wrote? Because I wrote all of it oh. before you were born. Before oh, you yeah, were born. Rick Barry for Sports Illustrated, Tony. Come on, that's framed framed and hanging above the... Well, I don't have a mantle, but it would be above the mantle if I had it. Yeah, if you had a mantle. You don't have a mantle. Which I don't. New York City is so hard to get. You knew Mickey, though. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. Wilbon could not finish what he started, so here to mop up for him is our great friend, the host of the podcast, Pablo Torre Finds Out, Mr. Pablo Torre. And we begin today with the San Francisco 49ers becoming the first NFL team to 3-0 by beating the New York Giants last night 30-12. Brock Purdy is now 8-0 as a starter in the NFL and Christian McCaffrey tied Jerry Rice's franchise record with a touchdown in his 12th straight game. Pablo, I am told you end your podcast by saying, what did I find out? Okay, mm. what did you find out from this game? Tony, I found out that the Giants defense under Wink Martindale, they blitzed Brock Purdy about as often as Mike Wilbon complains about millennials, which is to say <laughs> at historical rates and often pointlessly. It was remarkable what they tried to do to this kid. 85% of his dropbacks, he was blitzed. And in that first half, yes, he looked shaky a couple times. Some interceptable balls, as they say. But the second half, he was exactly, he was exactly the dream that Kyle Shanahan, who took him last in the draft, doesn't really yeah. deserve. Because he gets bailed out by a kid who actually can process the field. His cognitive functioning. He operates so quickly, got rid of the ball faster than he ever had in his whole career last night. And that's why this, this game wasn't close in the end, because Brock Purdy handled the blitz and processed the field faster than anybody could have expected from the last pick in the draft. Let me tell you what I found out last night. After 60 minutes of football, I found out that I was completely right in everything I said yesterday about this game. <laughs> I said yeah, the Giants exactly. had no chance. I said they couldn't win the game they couldn't get within the spread, which was 10. They couldn't get within 12. Now, I understand that the end of the third quarter it was 17-12, but they don't play 45-minute games. They play 60-minute games. So I had that right. The Giants have had really bad luck in their early schedule. They have had to play Dallas and San Francisco in two of their first three games. But yep. they were decisively beaten in those games. They don't, they don't look like a playoff team at all. I want to get this number right. Daniel Jones threw 32 passes and gained 137 yards. That's four point something per attempt. Brock Purdy was up closer to nine per attempt. He just can't win that way. No, and the nine, look, we know the formula for the Niners at this point, right? We know it by heart. 
Kyle Shanahan, schematic genius, giving you this running game. You have the defense, which is always really good. And we know that they'll get close to the Super Bowl, if not make the Super Bowl, pretty much every year because of that. And so if you're the Giants, Tony, yeah, I am, I'm forlorn because the gap between us and the teams that at the very top, who they played, two of them, as you said, yeah. it, is, yeah. it, is the, it is the Marianas Trench in terms of just the difference in size. No, I understand. But, the 49ers have scored 30 points in each of their three games. An average defense yes. can win if your offense gives them 30, but they have a really good defense. They've only given up 14 per game. I mean, they, they right. looked great last year until Purdy got hurt, and they look very good right now. They do. Yeah, and they have Christian McCaffrey running everywhere he wants. But I move on, Tony, because we have 13 more NFL games slated for Sunday. And eight teams are looking for their very first win. Among them, just to list them out here, Sean Payton, Russell Wilson and the Broncos, who had the Miami Dolphins. They're 2-0. The Dolphins are. The Chargers and the Vikings are both 0-2. They square off in Minnesota. And Bill Belichick and the Patriots are going to try to keep from starting 0-3 when they visit the Jets in this city. So, Tony, which NFL team needs a win the most on Sunday. Yeah, so at the top of my list are Minnesota and the Chargers. And the fact mm. that they are playing each other makes it sort of feel like an elimination game. They made the playoffs last year. Okay. So, I mean, you look at this particular game, I don't think I have to pick a winner. I just have to tell you who needs it more. I honestly think that the Chargers need it more. And I think they're going to be in some trouble because Eckler is not going to play in that game. They're wonderful. Yep. Running back. They've scored a lot of points, Pablo, in the first two games, and they've lost both games. And at some point, that gets in your head and ruins your season if it keeps up like that. And in terms of Minnesota, Minnesota, I think, is in a, I think it's a very weak division, the kind of division that you could win with eight and nine. So I think they'll have a little more time, even if they lose. The other team that I definitely think needs it is New England. New England has been yes. close in a couple of games, but the offense looks very stagnant there they play the jets i think the jets need to win too because the the buffalo ending was a fluke and then zach wilson was terrible in the last game but i do think new england needs it more because if new england loses this game pablo and they go 0-3 which i think would be the first time since belichick's first year there then for the next mm -hmm. five weeks all we're going to talk about all we're going to talk about honestly is should bill belichick retire and should mac jones be benched that is why the answer is New England. And I'll give you another uh, log on the fire of content that will be burning in those five weeks you referenced. Bill Belichick, okay? Bill Belichick used to preside over the most predictable division in all of sports. The AFC East, you knew what was going to happen for 20 straight years. And if the Dolphins over there are going to be undefeated and the Jets down here beat the Patriots, Tony... The, the, the battle between New England and the Jets in this game is one for human dignity here, okay? The Jets are out of it. They don't have Rodgers. For Bill Belichick, though, it's right. pride. It's all of those things you mentioned. Can he ward off all of the people who are saying it's time for you to ride off into your sunset? Yeah. To me, the New England Patriots yeah. came in with the expectation of we can be a contender, and now they're, they're grappling with what it means to be humiliated. And we didn't even mention, speaking of humiliation, Denver. If they go 0-3, and they might because oh, they're gosh. at Miami, Sean then Payton, that yeah. uh, Sean Payton-Russell Wilson thing goes right down the drain. Let's move to college football, where Oregon State and Washington State, the only two teams left, will play for the Pac-2 championship tomorrow. The Oregon State AD <laughs> says relegation is coming to college football. He said, quote, 
We see it working in Europe. It's certainly worth our study, unquote. Pablo, do you see relegation coming and would you be in favor of it? I am totally in favor of it. I do not see it even close to being a reality here. And it's cute, admittedly, that Oregon State, their AD is saying this because it'd be very helpful to Oregon State if they could get bumped up into the Power Five, for instance. That's how this would work in this fantasy land. But the whole lesson of European soccer, okay, they're taking the wrong one. Because the, what happened in European soccer was they tried to make a super league because the powers that be, their Power Five, let's call it, wanted to avoid being relegated. Because they were the draws, they had the stars, they were successful, they wanted the money. The lesson of college football now, insofar as it's becoming a super league run by the power, that the, the powers now at the very top, the Big Ten, the SEC, they're not going to risk this. They're going to come cl- The whole reason the super league was made was to avoid this. The whole reason college football is realigning, in my view, is to avoid it as well, as fun as it would be. And it would be really fun to relegate teams. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh- I mean, I know that a lot of European soccer leagues have relegation and they have promotion. But if I understand it correctly, they play an even schedule. Every team in the league plays every other team in the league. That does not happen in college football. That does not happen in conferences, especially in big conferences. If the guy at Oregon State wants relegation so badly, he ought to agree that if Washington State beats him, he goes to the Big Sky Conference and we don't have to listen to him again. It's... I, too, would like to see, in in this sense, Pablo, I imagine that when two teams are playing in a game where definitely the loser gets relegated, that must be like a steel cage death match. But if you put that here, the only thing you're doing is telling Vanderbilt and Kansas, you got to go. You know, and and (laughs) if the SEC were to get rid of Vanderbilt, who would they promote? Well, the Boise State associate athletic director also believes in relegation. And why does he believe in it? Because he is tied to the prison of the Mountain West Conference. So if you want to get out, do what SMU did. Buy yourself a seat at a big place. Yeah, it's fair. It's a good point. Money, important, it turns out. Another lesson learned with you. (laughs) Let's take a break. Coming up, is Oregon really 21 points better than Colorado? We're going to ask Booger McFarland. We'll also ask him whether quarterback is really Alabama's biggest issue. If you're Alabama and LSU, you don't want to get rid of Vanderbilt. You beat them all the time. Why would you want to get rid of them? Right? And you don't want to risk you yourself being relegated. Alabama right now, do you think Nick Saban's like, I'd like to add another dash of potential embarrassment into my life. Pretty sure he's like, I like it the way it is. Thank you very much. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. 
And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code PTI. That's code PTI. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Let's dive into a big-time weekend of college football with our great friend, ESPN, NFL, and college football analyst, and wearing a shirt from Marion, Booger McFarlane. Mm. Booger, we're going to start with Dion. Of course we're going to start with Dion. Dion is a singular story in college football. Number 19, Colorado, at number 10, Oregon. Oregon is favored by 21 points. Do you see the gap between the teams as that wide? You know what, Tony? I don't think the gap is that wide, but I do think there's a gap, and it's going to be on the line of scrimmage. If you understand what Oregon football is built on, and Dan Lanning, the head coach who came from Georgia, who tried to bring that same philosophy from Georgia to Oregon. We're going to win with defense, the physicality. We're going to control the line of scrimmage. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate in Bo Nix. So they're going to try to run the football and then play action pass and hit you with some big plays over the top. But make no mistake about it. At any point during the game, the best player on the field will be Shadur Sanders. And so Deion Sanders and Colorado, they have a chance. Shadur Sanders has been outstanding, guys. I can't reiterate just how good he's been in the pocket, his poise, his accuracy. And I know Travis Hunter's not going to be there. But they got that little back, Edwards. They got some good wide receivers. The key to the game will be simply as this. Can Colorado give Shadur Sanders enough time to make some plays down the field? If they do up front, then this will be a high-scoring game. I do think Oregon pulls away in the fourth quarter, but the spread shouldn't be 21 points. Booger, I want to ask you about the key to another enormous game this weekend. Number six, Ohio State, and number nine, Notre Dame. Notre Dame has the home field advantage, of course. They have Sam Hartman, their sixth-year quarterback. So does Notre Dame also have your confidence in this one? Yeah, it's amazing the effect that Sam Hartman has made, right? It's almost like Notre Dame was living with a substitute teacher and then the real teacher showed up in Sam Hartman and all of a sudden everybody <laughs> settled down, everybody got in their place. It's amazing how good this team looks with, with, with him in control. And, and I do think if they go back and understand how you beat Ohio State, Ohio State is like a Ferrari, man. Like they, they got speed everywhere with Marvin Harrison Jr., um, Ekbuka, all these different guys they have. But here's the deal. When Michigan played Ohio State, they hit them in the mouth and they controlled the line of scrimmage. What does Notre Dame have? They probably have the best, if not one of the top two left tackles in college football. They have a really big offensive line. They need to run the football with Audric Estimate, their big tailback, right at Ohio State, and then play action pass and allow Sam Hartman to distribute the football to some of these young freshmen. I do think Sam Hartman gives them a chance because he settles everyone down. And if they can make a couple of stops and not allow Marvin Harrison Jr. to beat them over the top, I do think they're going to wake up the echoes in South Bend. Notre Dame may be in a slight upset. Mm -hmm. I want to stay with the quarterback stuff, Booger. You pressured quarterbacks throughout your career, and Alabama's quarterbacks, they pose a question to me because number 15 Ole Miss going to number 13 Alabama now, so much has been made of what is going on under center for Nick Saban's team, but they've survived, you know, let's say mediocre quarterbacking before. So what degree of issue do you think the Tide have? Is quarterback their biggest one? Well, I do think they have an issue, but I don't think quarterback is their biggest issue. We focus so much on the quarterbacks, and rightfully so, because I think it's the tough, toughest position in sport. 
But their issue is their offensive line. Do you know this offensive line averages 6'5 and 330? Like, that's bigger than a lot of NFL mm. offensive lines, and they haven't played up to snuff. On top of that, the offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, who came from Notre Dame down to Tuscaloosa, he's not implementing a game plan that's taking advantage of what Alabama does well, which is run the football, control the line of scrimmage. It's his job to put the guys in the best position to be successful. And right now, the offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, is not doing that. So we can blame the kids, blame the 18 to 22-year-olds. I want to blame the adult in the room, the guy that's in charge, and that's Tommy Reese. It's his job to put Jalen Muro and this Alabama offense in position to succeed. And, oh, by the way, Lane Kiffin is going to score some points. So they better get their act together because Ole Miss is going to put up 30. And if Alabama can't, this is going to be a colossal upset in college football. We will get you out of here on this. This is our last question. Number four, Florida State is at unranked Clemson. Let me say that again for the West Coast. Unranked Clemson. (laughs) I don't remember when that has happened before. Unranked Clemson. Do you have any reason to believe in Clemson, Booger? You know, not right now, Tony, because Clemson doesn't have the guys on the outside, those skill position players that we're afraid of. Think about some of the great weapons that they've had on the outside, the Ross, the T. Higgins, all going all the way back. Like, they don't have those dudes. And for whatever reason, Dabo doesn't want to dip into the transfer portal because he, want to keep, he wants to keep Clemson like a family atmosphere. And I think that's hurting the Clemson program. I, I think when you look at some of the hires that they've made from a coordinator standpoint, they haven't necessarily hired the best guy. They haven't gone outside the family to bring in the best guy. And I think Florida State is saying, hey, before Clemson, it was Florida State. Like, we finished in the top five in the country for 10 years in a row under Bobby Bowden. And it just feels like a, like a champ just in the 15th round, Tony, that being Clemson, trying to throw one more haymaker. So can they do it? Sure. But I think Florida State should be a prohibitive favorite in this game. And I think they are looking to go out and say, you know what? You had your run, Clemson. Your run is over. We are the new bully on the block. And I think Clemson, it's an old saying, Tony, it's a poor dog that won't fight in his own backyard. And Clemson is at home. And so can this old fighter deliver one more great performance? I hope they can, but I doubt it. I got to check with the dogs on that, how they feel about not fighting in their own backyard. Thank you, Booger. That's wonderful. Thank you, Booger. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Let's take one last break still to come with Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson out. Which team has the better backup? And did Garrett Cole, Tony, just sew up the AL Cy Young Award? Makes me very happy when we have Booger on. And the fact that he can do pro and college, we could come back to him in five minutes. And have- Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Happy time, people. Happy 26th birthday, Jeremy Pena. Pena is the Astros shortstop who succeeded Carlos Correa, whose 29th birthday is coincidentally today. Pena flourished in the Astros' postseason run to the World Series championship last year. He batted 345 in the postseason, seemed to get better every round. He won the ALCS MVP after batting 353, two doubles, two homers, three runs scored, four RBI. Pena then became the first rookie position player ever to win the World Series MVP when he batted 400, two doubles, one home run, three RBI, and five runs scored. This season, Pena is hitting 262 with 10 homers, 51 RBI, and 80 runs scored. But since August 1st, he's batting 316. Tony's also lived a crazy life, geographically speaking. Lived in the Dominican Republic for the first 10 years or so of his life. Then went to play baseball at the University of Maine, which feels like, when I'm considering all of the places on Earth, maybe a place as opposite from the Dominican Republic as any other place I can imagine. Yeah, the Black Bears in Maine. They play about 60 baseball games a year, probably all of them in Florida. A not-so-happy anniversary, (laughs) Bill Cower. On this day 26 years ago, The Steelers coach and his team were a 40-yard field goal away from a dramatic late win over Jacksonville on Monday night when a bad snap led to a block and a return going the other way for a touchdown at the final whistle. On replay, you can see Cower, a former linebacker, consider lunging onto the field to stop Jacksonville's Chris Hudson on his return. Years later, the next Steelers coach, Mike Tomlin, was fined $100,000 for stepping onto the field of play and almost colliding with Baltimore's Jacoby Jones as Jones sprinted past Tomlin on a 73-yard kick return in a Thanksgiving game. Jones was slow just enough to get caught. Tomlin said he was watching the Jumbotron and didn't realize he was in the way. Yeah, sure. I just want to point out how profoundly unrelatable these NFL coaches, like stepping a toe over the sideline to stop an oncoming car, like how unrelatable those people are to me. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to stay very far away from the car crashes that are happening. I don't want to win this game as much as I want to keep my legs. Happy trails to last night's game for the Blue Jays. Toronto ran into the buzzsaw that is Garrett Cole. Cole got the win for throwing eight innings, giving up one earned run on two hits, striking at nine, not walking anybody. Cole seems a shoe-in for the American League Cy Young. He's 14-4 and with a league-leading 2.75 ERA and a league-leading 200 innings in which he has struck out 217 and walked only 48. Since August 25th, Cole is 4-0 with a 1.59 ERA. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays remain one half game ahead of Texas and Seattle for the second wild card. They have six games left against the Rays, who are one spot ahead of them in the wild card, and three more games left with the Yankees. Just about as depressing an AL East finish as I've experienced in my lifetime. The, the Rays, the Orioles, and the Blue Jays, Mike, all make the postseason. The Yankees and the Red Sox somehow at the very bottom, um, biting at each other like crabs. Depressing on every level. Let's go quick to the big finish if we could. Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson both ruled out this weekend. Would you rather have Andy Dalton or Gardner Minshew? I've seen Gardner Minshew do some weird, successful things in the NFL. Give me Gardner Minshew. Joe Burrow says of his availability for Monday night's game against the Rams, quote, we'll see, end quote. Your thoughts? 
My thoughts are that if Joe Burrow isn't available to Cincinnati all year, they're a five-win team. The Padres have won seven straight. Are you saying there's a chance? They're four out of the wild card. They host the Cardinals tonight. Yeah, there's a chance. Team USA, shout out Team Europe and foursomes at the Solheim Cup, Tony. Is that a big deal? It was because it was 4 nothing Team USA, but in the afternoon, it came back to 5-3 Team USA. And it's in Europe. Last one, number 22 UCLA at number 11 Utah tomorrow. Who you got? Give me Utah if Cam Rising is playing. ACL healed maybe since the Rose Bowl. That'd be good for them. Look at me. I'm a walking billboard for Pablo. We're out of time. <laughs> yes. We're trying to do better the next time, and I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm the aforementioned Pablo Torre. Thank you for watching. This is my show, Pablo Torre Finds Out. Please subscribe. But for now, this is SportsCenter, I'm told. Well, why don't you send me something?